Coming to you from the Sunshine State, this is Create Brand Envy, a podcast dedicated to entrepreneurs and business owners discussing businesses, marketing, leadership, and best practices in this ever-changing business landscape. Every week, we'll introduce you to a different business leader that has taken their company to new heights despite the odds. Learn, engage, and thrive. This is Create Brand Envy. And now your host, President and CEO of Brand Envy, Nicole Alisea. My guest today is Joni Adams, the CEO of Reimagine Office Furnishings. ROF is one of less than a handful of office furniture dealers in the United States with full-scale remanufacturing capabilities. Hear how they started their company selling office supplies and how they transitioned away from selling pens and pencils and reams of paper to growing their business into a massive 120,000 square foot office furniture dealership with complete office furniture remanufacturing capabilities. Today, ROF fully outfits office furniture interiors for major national companies like the Avita Institute, New York Life, and Wipro, just to name a few. So stay tuned. Last week, I spoke with Anthony Peroni, the CEO of Pinchasers, who was handed Pinchasers down from his stepfather, Bill Morris. When I met with Bill Morris, the one who had earned his way up from cleaning ashtrays as a, as a boy to ending up owning you know, multiple bowling centers, which is an incredible story. If you haven't heard it, go back episode three. One of the things that he handed me when I first met him was a laminated plastic card and it's two-sided. And um, he told me that he would give this to every single employee. To me, I mean, this is extraordinary leadership. When you think of a bowling center, again, it's, it's a very straightforward business model. But when you look at a bowling center that has been as successful as they have, that's been around for 65 years, you know that there's, there's got to be more behind the curtain to make that work, to make it happen. So I want to share this. I have, I have the card right here in my hand. I've kept it around because I just, I thought it was so impressive and, it, and it's just a reminder of great leadership. And so two sides on the back, it says, and this is again for the employees, they give it to every single employee, practice until you live it every day. How are you today? A positive answer will make you and others feel great. Self-talk and self-thought. Positive self-talk and thought will make you and the customer shine. Power of a name. Use everyone's every time. Power of a smile. All good things start with a smile. Listening and seeing. Do more than just hear and look. Compliment with sincerity. Be positive and appreciative. Yes and no. Be clear. Give solutions. Please and thank you. Courtesy is king. Awareness and being proactive. Take action. Make things right. Recognition and acknowledgement. 10-4 rule. Um, and then it says 10 feet smile, 4 feet greet. What that means is that if it's for employees, it's guidance. That if you're within 10 feet of somebody, make sure that you're smiling at them. And if you're within 4 feet of somebody, actually greet them. The next one is more than is expected. Deliver more than people ask for. And the last one, self-confidence always. You are contagious. Spread good stuff. 
And then when you flip it over, um, it has the Pin Chasers logo and it says mission to build relationships by providing a fun, personalized experience for all. Vision, great people, great bowling, great food, great experiences. And I want to kind of pause there, but one of the big things that I always champion is a simplified and a clear mission and vision. And I think this really nails it. The next one they have is our bottom lines. We deliver great bowling, food, and fun, a unique personalized experience and financial success for pin chasers. Our promise, provide the best experience possible by offering bowling as a fun and hassle-free experience with personalized attention in an entertaining atmosphere. Our promise to staff, we will teach, explain, live, measure, and reward great service. And our guarantee, your experience was super or it is on us. I mean, just reading this, I'm already really like pumped up and inspired. As an employee, I'm being given direction on the culture that's being established inside of each pin chasers location. As an employee, I'm being I'm being encouraged to give certain things to our customers, but the company is also promising me something as as my you know, they're giving something back to me too that they will teach, explain, live, measure and reward great service. So, you know, there's just a big focus on service, and I think when you think of anything that's really highly com- commoditized like a bowling center entertainment, right? It's like what is the thing that's going to differentiate your bowling center from the others? Well, great service, outstanding service, a really great experience, that promise that you're going to have a good time, guaranteed. And then instilling the culture and the values to the employees that create a really great experience for the customer. And as you can hear from from this guidance, like I guess Bill Moore, one of Bill Morris's philosophy was just a lot of like, highly personalized attention. So, you know, that whole 10, four, 10 feet smile, four feet um, greet, uh, using people's names, you know, coming up with solutions, um, just all of these guiding principles help create an environment that's conducive to achieving the goals, which is to give every customer an outstanding experience. And at the end of the day, businesses, that's all it is. It's, it's nailing that job to be done that you are promising the client that the client wants to have when they're when they're coming to you and being able to empower all of your employees to be leaders themselves and to be able to champion and carry the values and the culture that you're trying to instill. Again, returning to uh, today's show, we're going to be talking to Joni Adams. She has been, she is the CEO and she co-owns reimagine office furnishings with her husband, Bill Adams, who's the president. And so without further ado, let's get into today's interview. Now on to today's interview. All right. So my guest today is Joni Adams. She is the CEO of reimagine office furnishings based at headquartered out of Tampa, Florida. Um, Hi, Joni. Hi, Nicole. Great to be here. Thank yeah. you for having me. Yes, thank you for joining me. Now, you and your husband have owned and operated uh, ROF uh, for how many years? 26 years. That's We've a... actually been working together for 29 years. Oh, bless your heart. Because that, that was one of the things yeah. that I was like, I don't know if, if I want to like lean too much on that, but it's definitely a big hallmark of your company that you've worked together with your husband 
for 29 years. Yeah, that, that's yeah a, that's, I think so too. So for any um, business owner that um, is thinking about running their company with their spouse, what advice would you have to give? <laughs> oh my, this can take like hours to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> lots and lots of advice. Um, well, I would say that it's really not as bad as people think it would be. I have found over the years that there's actually a lot of good about working with your spouse. Hmm. And well, because it's really, it's a relationship. It's a partnership. And most people in their businesses, they have a partner that they're working with already. So the same rules apply that you would have with any working relationship. In the beginning, it was very uh, stressful, very challenging. You guys were also um, less mature than you are now. Yes, yes, we were. We were very young. We were early on in our career. Uh, we didn't know a lot about anything, and we were starting a new business together. Yes. Yeah, so, um, so just uh, sorry to kind of like jump in, but like, wh- why don't you tell us the story of how you guys decided to go into business together? So we actually were living in Grand Cayman at the time. And he is a sales and marketing expert. He has been in the office furniture industry for years um, at that time as a sales manager. And my background is in accounting. So we worked in Grand Cayman in our respective uh, positions. And then we got an opportunity to buy a business in downtown Tampa, an office supply business. Um, So that meant us leaving the wonderful, great Grand Cayman to move back to the States and become business owners. So the person that was offering to sell the business to us said, you can only buy the business. The offer only stands if you two run it together. What? Why did he do and that? This, well, he's a very seasoned business person, uh, has been in many businesses throughout the United States, the Caribbean, I had a lot of experience and he knew then that you had to have sales, but you also have to have accounting. Hmm. So the two uh, disciplines really are important in operating any business, which is why I say, you know, our partnership is just like any other partnership and you have that sales side and then you have the accounting side Hmm. and you really have to have expertise in both of them to run a successful business. And for us, it just worked out great because we both, one of us had each of those disciplines. So we complemented one another mm-hmm. and together um, it was really what we needed to, to run a successful business. Nice. And at this time, did you guys already have kids? We did not. So that I'm sure made it easier, you know, to just be like, yeah, let's, you know, so you, you guys had, had been married at that point for how long? Five years. Okay, that's a good amount. Well, actually, no, no, I lie. We had been married three years, and then that's when we moved back to Tampa to buy the business. So then we had the business for two years without kids. Gotcha. And then, and then you got pregnant with your first son. Yes, and I took two weeks off for leave and then came back to work. What did you with do with the, the baby? Well, for for like the first 
uh, year, uh, I brought him to work with me. Oh, wow. uh, he had a little playpen right uh-huh. underneath my desk. Um, and then eventually my mother was able to help out and she stayed home with him. Okay. So you guys were selling office supplies. So not furniture per se, just scissors Co- and correct. paper and <laughs> supplies yeah, like correct. that. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, we were the, um, uh, we were the downtown um, office supply supplier. Um, so we did all the emergency 24 hour uh, turnaround time for office supplies back before the Home Depot or Office Depot and Staples came about. All right. So when, when suddenly like Staples and Home Depot started, you know, coming into town and taking a, a, a bite out of your business, what was that like? Well, we were still doing pretty good um, because we were literally in downtown. So all we had to do, someone called up and said, oh my God, I just ran out of copy paper. We just, someone from the store grabbed some paper and walked it right over to their building. Gotcha. So, so you were able we to were differentiate able to get, with like really good service. <laughs> exactly. One hour service, literally. So so that didn't really um, affect us too much. Um, you know, we couldn't get the big contract business because of the staples of the world. Um, but as far as, you know, that niche, you know, we had that in that downtown area. So we did really well with that. We, we, uh, tripled sales in the first year. Wow. But my, my husband's love was in office furniture and we really couldn't do anything in the world of office furniture because there were already your authorized dealers in the area. We service this one client in downtown Tampa with a bank and we did actually we did all their office supplies even though there were a big national bank uh, we had a real good relationship with the purchasing person so we took care of all of their office supplies and then he moved to a bank in St. Thomas so when he moved to St. Thomas we started taking care of his office supplies there in St. Thomas too so we shipped they had a supply room. We kept it stocked and we shipped all their supplies to them. And then one year, a hurricane came through and flooded the bank. So he called us up and said, hey, you know, we're, we're flooded. We can't operate in our building. We're having to move everything outside to the parking lot. Is Can you possibly find like any cheap, junky desks, chairs, file cabinets? you know, whatever you can get to send to us so that we can just kind of triage in the parking lot because banks can't be closed ever. Mm-hmm. So um, at that same time, because we had a lot of contacts in the Tampa area, we got a phone call from someone else saying that Circle K was closing their corporate headquarters in the area. Mm-hmm. And they had all this furniture that they didn't know what to do with. And could we help them out with it? So that started the reimagine office furnishing business. So we sent the furniture from Circle K to St. Thomas to help them out. And that kind of started our business into the furniture world. Now, you weren't always reimagine office furnishings. Um, you guys we- started out as refurbished office furniture. Correct. Yes, because we were doing the used furniture, and then we we started dabbling in refurbishing that same furniture. So what we would do is, if the chairs were in were high 
high-end, good quality chairs. We would reupholster them and put new fabric on them. And then we started putting new fabric on panels also. So we actually call this remanufacturing versus mm-hmm. refurbishing because there is um, a powder coating that goes into it and the, the panels are completely disassembled. So it really is a remanufacturing process. You guys hired, hired our company many years ago because even though you were doing that level of quality of work, your business name was refurbished office furniture. Just, I remember from our meetings, you guys were having difficulty because people would make a lot of assumptions just based on that name, you know, oh, refurbished office furniture, that we don't want refurbished office furniture and people didn't really understand what you guys do. And so um, we worked together and we came up with just, we just kind of rebranded the name to reimagine office furnishings um, to really more accurately reflect what it is that you guys do. But um, you, you've taken that tinkering with furniture to refurbish it and remanufacture it. And you've even taken it a step further. Um, and there's another term that kind of, you know, came up out of your company called blended design. Can you talk a little bit about what that is and what it means? Correct. Yes. Yes. So blended design is something that we kind of coined because we we're really not replacing a person's office with all the brand new furniture. So a lot of them have really good uh, furniture that still has a good life left. So when it comes to cubicle furniture, the brands like Steelcase and Herman Miller, they're top of the line, really high end quality cubicle systems. They're very expensive. Um, They're going to last forever. They're made out of really heavy metal steel. Mm -hmm. So usually all they need is just maybe some new fabric to update it. Maybe there's some tears or stains in the fabric. So we just put some new fabric on. We powder coat the trim creases and it looks like brand new when it's done. So there really doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense to take all this furniture and just throw it in the landfill when it's really in good condition. It just needs a facelift. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where the blended design came from. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they want a new wood desk. Maybe they want some new reception chairs. But we don't have to get rid of the cubicles. You know, we can make use of what they have there already I just given it a facelift so it's a little bit of the old and a little bit of new and a little bit of remanufactured kind of creates what we call this blended design so I imagine there's a lot of consulting going on with the client just kind of doing that walkthrough and evaluating you know it's not just about you guys trying to come in and sell them furniture it's also you guys doing that walkthrough and helping them identify what they could keep what they you know what they could you know refurbished and then, you know, what they should be replacing with new furniture. And if they have furniture that needs to get rid of, you guys also do that and, and take it away and, and kind of buy it back and give them a credit also? Exactly. Yeah. It's kind of, we, we kind of view ourselves as the solution provider. We get our designers involved with their, with their salesperson, with the project manager, and we assess what they have, what do they like, what do they want to get rid of. Um, and then um, help them come up with the with the solution that also falls in line with their budget too. Um, and then we help them dispose of whatever they have that they no longer want or can't use. Some of it can be recycled. Some of it we buy back. 
and then some of it we will donate to, to other organizations. Switching furniture in an existing office space is a big deal. How, how do companies, how, how does that work for companies in terms of having people empty their desks? And, you know, when do you come in and do the work? How, how does that work? What's that experience for the customer? Yeah, sure. It is very disruptive for sure. Um, it depends on the client. Um, some of them, we do the work after hours if they just can't you know, have that kind of disruption during the day. Uh, some of it's on the weekends. And then, you know, for those that it is during the daytime hours, we do it in phases. So, you know, maybe we do like, you know, this side of the office one day, the other side another day. Maybe we do one floor versus another floor. So we kind of stage it based on however they need us to do it. And then we we also do a lot with loaner furniture too. So um, if they're ever going to be, if there's ever a possibility that they'd be without furniture, we loan furniture too. And then like as far as remanufacturing the cubicles, if they, for example, they have Steelcase Avenir in their offices and they want to stay with Steelcase Avenir, but they want them remanufactured, we have a full warehouse of Steelcase Avenir and other cubicle products that we would just remanufacture here from our stock Mm -hmm. while they're working, still utilizing their own product. And then when it's done being remanufactured, then we just kind of swap it out. Now, um, when I think of like, you know, office furniture store, I just imagine like a little showroom and, you know, like a little warehouse, but you guys are like a mammoth operation. How, how, how many square feet are your facilities? We have 120,000 square feet. And in those, and, and, and I've, I've walked, um, your facilities in high heels. <laughs> I, I yeah, remember I particularly in the, high heels. In the dead of summer. Yeah. But it was, it was just the, the high heels that stand out in my mind because it, it is, it was a huge <laughs> warehouse. And just when you think it's going to be over, there's another room that opens up to even more, um, you know, know. seating systems. <laughs> And then just when you think it's over there, oh, and by the way, have you seen our training room? And there's another room. (laughs) I know. And then we have to show our uh, workout area too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So this is very special. (laughs) So we, you know, the first episode we we spoke with um, labor and employment attorney, Charlotte Fernay Kelly. And uh, one of the things that we were talking about was how the difficulty people are having with hiring and things that em- employers can do to, to make the workplace better. But you've always been like a pioneer at this. Like your company is very special because um, I believe, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set it up, but let you kind of tell the story. I, like, I, I, like you guys have, you have like a, a set time of the day where you have your employees work out with you. You're the leader. So I'll just shut up and let you tell, tell Mm -hmm. the story of this amazing thing you do with your employees. Well, so we, we like to have fun too. So, you know, Bill and I both, you know, we, we are very serious about our work, but we like to have fun too. So we do a lot of things internally just to kind of break up the monotony and try to bring a little bit of fun for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and my uh, passion is health and fitness. So mm-hmm. I've been a fitness instructor for 36 years now, something like that. So it just was really important to me to bring health and fitness to the workplace. I have a whole 
test subjects here mm-hmm. <laughs> to to kind of uh, teach and and raise up with good health and fitness. So it was very uh, very heavy on my heart to do that. So we incorporated group fitness classes here, and we've been doing it for gosh, probably like twenty years now. We started out doing boot camp classes, uh, so it's free for the employees. Uh, we were doing it after work at the 5.30 time slot, but that got to be a little too hard. People just want to kind of get out of here, be in traffic yeah. and get home. So we started doing it at noon hour and we had so much fun with it. Then we started incorporating fitness challenges. So we would get um, whoever in the organization wanted to participate and we would put everybody on a team. So we'd have like 30 people participating and we put everybody on a team. We'd have like six teams mm-hmm. and we would do like every week we would have this certain fitness challenge that everybody had to compete in and they would get points for their team based on how well they did in the fitness challenge. And everyone did a fitness assessment before the challenge started and after the challenge started. So each individual person also got points for how well they changed their markers from the beginning of the fitness challenge to the end of the fitness challenge. And then there were the team competitions each week where they could add more points to their for their team. So it was a ton of fun. We did, I think we did like five or six of them. Like we tried to do one every year. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was it was really a lot of fun, and everyone had fun with it, and and it just built such a camaraderie and such a team atmosphere. Like each other was helping the other to get stronger, get faster. You know, watching them with what they were eating and mm-hmm. um, helping them, you know, achieve their goals. Like it really, really was a, a great experience. Is there- had a lot of fun with it. Is there um, a certain person that had like significant improvement that just kind of stands out to you? Yeah, absolutely. I There were almost everyone really did. Um, the competitiveness, like we have, we just have a bunch of really competitive people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that just really, uh, really made people excel. Uh, well, Greg, um, you know, Greg, for, mm-hmm. for example, he lost uh, like, 80 pounds. Oh, I do um, remember. No. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So, and <laughs> he is... wasn't the only one. We've had so many people lose like 20, 30 pounds and, and get the, the most important and the biggest thing for me that came out of it is that it got people interested in fitness. Yeah. Like people that had never done a squat before people that had never lifted a barbell or a mm-hmm. dumbbell. Mm-hmm. And now they're, they're, hooked yeah it's so amazing the transformation you see oh I just loved it yeah I remember I think one of your accountants at at some point I remember he was like over the top like didn't he get into like bodybuilding or something like yeah he did yeah he got so so we were I was CrossFit certified Uh so um, I ended up sending three of our people to a weekend seminar to get CrossFit certified. He was one of them. And then, so they helped coach the classes. Oh, cool. They helped uh, with the fitness challenges and, and they just, and, and even uh, Nick, who's here 
still in our employ. He never worked out. He uh, used to smoke cigarettes and ate, you know, anything that he could find. Mm -hmm. And he stopped cigarettes as a result of the fitness challenge. He got CrossFit certified and, and he's still to, to this day, um, working out every day. There's a lot of, there's a huge trend of like people wanting to work from home, saying that that gives them better work-life balance, which in many ways it does, but it also leads to depression. Uh, it leads mm -hmm. to isolation. It leads to obesity because you're, you know, they, it, one of the arguments for working from home is, oh, I work harder. I don't have interruptions. You know, I, I'll sit there and get so much work done, but you're also sitting there and getting so much work done. <laughs> Like you're sitting yeah. there and at work you do stand first, you get that social interaction, which is good for your mental health. You're, you're standing up to go get water. You're standing up to like, you know, walk to the bathroom. You're going into the warehouse and check, you know, checking on your project. You're, you know, there, there's mm -hmm. a lot more movement. And then if the employer adds, you know, does to, to, again, as one of their initiatives to enhance uh, the quality of life at work, if they add a workout program, like you've done at ROF, in many ways, you're, you are delivering that work-life balance that they're seeking. Yes. Yeah. And that's what we're, I mean, we're trying to do that to, to make like people have to feel good in the workplace. Like we never wanted this to be a place where you just come in, you dread it, you punch a clock, mm -hmm. you know, and then leave. We, we really want people to be engaged and to kind of, I mean, I know it's, hard to say, but kind of enjoy being here. Yeah. We want people to really enjoy being here. So we, we, we offer finance classes for them. We've, of course, we've offered, you know, health and nutrition classes, just, you know, whatever kind of trainings we could throw in there. I mean, we tried to, to give them everything they need to kind of help with that work-life balance. And so as a couple, you guys went from selling staples and I mean, staplers and uh, reams of paper uh, to, you know, selling, I would imagine like thousands, like hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of office furniture, you know, as a couple looking at your PNL year over year, just tell me about that emotional roller coaster of just, just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger as a company. Did, did it felt intimidating? Did it feel, feel exciting? Because it can be scary to grow. Yeah, it's, it's definitely exciting to see, you know, the sales, you know, growing and, and coming in and to see your staff grow and, and to see your staff learn and develop and get promoted into other positions. So that, that part is definitely really exciting. But then, you know, the economy side of it that you can't really influence uh, really puts you on those roller coasters at times. And that is definitely very stressful. And 2008 was one of those times when the, when the housing market collapsed. And of course, you know, every, everyone went down and in sales at that time. So that was a very stressful time, but we adapted. We had to make some changes. We had to tighten up. How different. did you, how did you adapt? What changes did you make? Yeah, we went through the P&L with a fine-tooth comb and we looked at all the expenses, you know, where we could cut back or where we had some fluff. Or we did have to reduce some staff, too. Uh, there was a so lot sad. of really hard changes that we had to make. But it, it, was a, it was a tough time. 
So you guys just basically lighten the load a little bit to kind of keep uh-huh. your revenue and your expenses in balance and you just yep. weathered yep. the storm. Exactly. What was that turn where things started getting better? I, I, I want to say it was 2010 that we were back to our pre-collapse revenue. I'm trying to put a lot of those thoughts out of my head. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to, I mean, if you ask me about stuff that happened like 10 years, 20 years ago, I'd be like, no. <laughs> yeah, we, fortunately we were, we rebounded really fast, but that, that's one of the, the good things about the nature of what we do being in the remanufactured and used pre-owned furniture market. Mm-hmm. We, we allow businesses to kind of move on with their plans, but to do it on a smaller budget. Right. Uh, so instead of like going with a hundred percent brand new, uh, you can go remanufactured or as is and save 40 to 50%. Yes. So it, it allows businesses to still move forward. So that, that really has helped us tremendously through slow economic times. Yeah. That's a huge competitive advantage. And, and yeah. not to mention yeah. it, it is good for the environment. So there's, there's a lot of benefits to, to going your route. Yeah. We, so we're, perf- and that was one of the things too, that led us into remanufacturing is all this really grade A high quality cubicle product is going in the landfill. So just because a corporation wants a new look, you know, their products outdated it would just all go into the landfill and that didn't make any sense at all. So we're preventing the product from going in the landfill. We're saving 85% of the natural resources compared to manufacturing brand new furniture. And it's, it's cheaper priced for the client and uh, looks like brand new when it's all done. So it's kind of a win-win all the way around. Yeah. It looks new, smells new. You, You can't tell it apart. Yeah, you really can't. Yeah. No. I've, no, I've seen your product. It's amazing. You guys do an incredible job and you have, you know, dedicated, you. highly skilled workers um, that, you know, if you just do like a walkthrough through the manufacturing facility, they're, you know, they've got their headphones on, they're like rocking out <laughs> to whatever their favorite yeah, music yeah. is and they're cutting fabric and they're, you know, stapling yep. it and stacking it. And you have a, an awesome powder coating room. Um you know, it's, it's a giant oven where you just kind of sp- spray it on, close the doors, bake it, mm-hmm. and it comes out mm-hmm. and it's just like brand new. So but that's um, yep. th- that's very innovative and I think very daring of you guys as a, as a business owner couple to th- the way that you've transitioned from, again, just office furniture, uh, office uh, supplies to, you know, kind of reselling just some, some used furniture that you were able to kind of be the middleman in the transaction, you know, from one, from one place to the other to, to saying, Hey, let's start this company and not just sell used furniture, but sell new and, um, you know, do something that's good for the environment and good for the client's pocket. It's just very innovative on your guys's part to put together. Are there any other, um, office furniture companies that do this nationwide? No, no. In nationwide, there are a few, uh, like a handful. There's a, a lot of them that do it on just like an as-is used basis. Um, they're all over the place. Sure. And they're kind of like the garage shop kind yeah. of Used car salesman type of, yeah. Yeah. Buy here, pay, right. pay here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But from a remanufacturing standpoint, there are not. 
very many that do that. That's awesome. And your staff is like a lot of moving parts. And, you know, I I guess this is a valid question. I think, I I think over the years I did randomly ask Bill about this, but I never really got like a solid answer. Um, How does Steelcase and Herman Miller feel about you guys refurbishing their stuff? They do not like it at all. I bet they wouldn't, but it, but legally they can't, I mean, what's, what's the status with that? Yeah, legally they can't do anything about it. We are not uh, calling ourselves an authorized steel case or Herman Miller dealership. Mm -hmm. Um, So because of, because we're not, um, and we're not selling brand new steel case or Herman Miller product, they can't do anything to us, but, but they don't like us remanufacturing it, of course, because we take away business from their new dealers of course, and at a cheaper price. So what, um, is there something that protects you from, and from being able to say, you know, from being able to refurbish and, and resell it? I guess what I'm trying to ask is like, what, what is it that makes them not be able to put a stop to you? Um, I, I think just the, the free market place. Um, uh, and because, so we have to say that it's refurbished. Like yeah. we can't, you we can't, can't say it's try brand to new. pass it off as brand new. Yeah. Duh. I think yeah. if we were to do that, then of course we would be in trouble in, in, in trouble. Yeah. All right. So, but yeah, but I mean, they can't pass, like there's no, you can't pass a law saying that you can't resell something. No, no, that's right. Yeah. And, absolutely. and, and once that's you make free your, enterprise, yeah. And once you make your yep. own improvements to it, it's kind of, and you know, I mean, I'm not an attorney, but it's kind of like with the creative process and creative use, it's kind of like what, you know, once you have some, a base product and then you kind of add your own thing to it, then it kind of becomes yours. <laughs> like it's, yeah, there, there's, yeah, a, yeah, there's right, a, right. a, you know, ownership <laughs> transformation or something that, that goes. Yeah. Um, but cool. That's interesting. And then are there any, do you guys have any like patents or trademarks or anything that protects any of the processes that you guys have created? Nope. Nope. We do not. Is that like a weakness of yours or is this, there's nothing to, to protect or patent? Yeah, no, there's not really anything um, special or unique about what we're doing. Like from a remanufacturing standpoint. So why do you, yeah, no, I, nothing. Why, why do you think there aren't more office furniture dealerships doing what you guys are doing? It's just not easy. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts to it. It's really not as simple as it looks. Lots of people try to get into it and mm-hmm. then realize, you know, really fast that it's not that simple. And then they then they just stick to the used and as is aspects of office easier. furniture. So what happens with, with remanufacturing cubicles, so we get the product aftermarket, then used. We go and we pull it out of the space. It comes back in just a huge, big box of stuff or like a whole trailer load of stuff. It's not wrapped. It's not in pretty boxes. So you have to get a truck. Let's let's break this down. You got to get a truck. You got to get guys. A big truck. Or girls. An 18-wheeler. An 18-wheeler to to go. Get it out, load it in the middle of traffic. To, <laughs> they have to know how to disassemble it. Right, without damaging it, it. So there's a lot without of training involved. It. You got to train yeah. those people too to do it correctly. Correct. And they're not going out there with, they're not going out to a, a person's business with pallets and 
pallet jacks and <laughs> all this sort of stuff. So it just kind of gets flown together um, and put on this trailer. Mm-hmm. And then they bring it to our facility and then they have to unload it and sort it all and hope that we have all the parts and pieces. And most of the time you don't. You have to take like inventory of what's coming in, assess the the condition of it, order pieces that you might need to fix it or or, or materials. And then while that comes, you have to warehouse it. You have to store it. So you have to storage space. Hence the, what was it? 120,000 square feet of Yep. space that you guys yep. have and you guys exactly. and you guys store vertically so we're only talking when we say that you have 120,000 square feet of space I'm, we're only speaking like horizontally right like Correct. like like floor space <laughs> yeah. because you guys Not have footage now, or, yeah. how, how, how many <laughs> rows yeah how many rows you, you guys have I would guess 50 oh. rows um up to the ceiling uh, how how high are your ceilings oh gosh 20 20 something feet right i i think i no, would think it'd be higher i don't know i don't know it's, yeah i think it's high right. it's super high probably I greg should know. be on this I, call greg greg knows he's, he's i know he's i know i used here. to know i don't remember now <laughs> trust me <laughs> it's big I'm, I'm i'm trying to pull it out of her because i'm just trying to paint a picture here so people can understand like it's it's huge so you just have like rows and rows of furniture stacked and stored in, you know, at just, just giant right. warehouse. And then, um, yep. and then, so you store it and then, so it's taking up space and then you have to find a buyer that'll buy it as is, or you have to find a project where those would go really well. So you have to have a really good inventory system. Yeah. Yeah. And then so you, you have to have the, the good, you have to have good procurement you have to have good inventory management and you have to have good sales design solution people because if you don't have that piece you're getting this like you don't know what to take and what to buy so Mm -hmm. you could be like bringing in all this product but yet there's not a market for it or your sales design team aren't pushing that or that's not what people are looking for. So you kind of have to have all those three facets like really managed and running well to make the whole thing work because, you know, one weakness could bring the whole thing down. And through you guys, I've had the opportunity to work with other office furniture dealerships and, um, you know, and all over the place like Texas, uh, Virginia, um, North Carolina, North Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I, yeah. Just a, a, a ton. Um, and I've noticed that none of them, no offense to them, but they don't hold a candle to you. And I've never really out of respect. I never really asked, you know, but you are, you guys are truly the only ones that, that do what you do at the level that you do. And it's just, and it's amazing you, Joni and your husband, Bill, um, have kind of been the masterminds and, and, and let's not give you guys too much credit. I know you guys have an incredible team that's been with you for many years. Greg has been with you for how long? 16 years. You're And then some of your salespeople have been for you for with you for how long? Over 20. I mean, it, and with that kind of longevity, you know, there's certainly a lot of co-creation going on in terms of collaborating and, 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 you know, ideas to grow the business, I would imagine. Absolutely. Yep, absolutely, definitely. Yep. 
and that's, that's a lot of a lot of brain power there and and that speaks volumes um you know that they've stayed with you so long it it speaks of you know the 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 culture that you've created the the environment and your company it, that has been able to weather so many storms you know like you said the economy you you have no control over that you just kind of have to like you know sail sail the 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 sea yeah. and and do what you need to do whether it be lightening the load or you know just adjusting the sails or or, or pivoting a little bit so yeah. it's very impressive what do you, just to kind of wrap up what do you what do you see in the future for ROF so uh bill and i are not getting any younger <laughs> so we are kind of really training our people up to, to take over and, and take the lead. So that's kind of what I've been working on, uh, putting a really solid executive team in place and training them to take over the reins one day. So maybe in a couple of years, hopefully we'll be retiring and, and this new team of leaders will be taken over and, and, and innovating. I mean, we're always looking to innovate and pivot and, uh, you know, of course, now we're going into a whole new way of working. So this is where we really want our main reimagine mm-hmm. office furnishings to really kind of highlight our next uh, phase and how we work together in the workplace. Yeah. So we want to, you know, kind of be the the leader in that too. Yeah. To be innovative and bring a whole new way of working to our to our world. Beautiful. And, and just to, just to kind of hang on to that for just kind of like a little marketing branding lesson, uh, when it comes to naming the company, do you see how important it is to have a nice top level kind of vision minded business name, reimagine office furnishings? You can, you can pivot your company, but, and still carry that name with you because it's still standing for this higher vision uh, you know, value that you guys are, are, are doing as opposed to, you know, your former name refurbished office furniture, it was really pigeonholing you and it wasn't letting you grow and innovate. So I'm, I'm really glad that you guys were able to kind of, you know, open up to a name like reimagine office furnishings, because no matter what is going on, you know, um, people will always need a place to, to work at some kind of a workspace. And so as things change over time, People can look to you to reimagine. Oops, sorry, I just hit the microphone. <laughs> people, people can always turn to you to to for for reference on what a new reimagined future workspace looks like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We love. I mean, we we really do love the name, and we owe that to you and your team for helping us to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, it it really has done really well for us. It has definitely helped break us out of that refurbished garage yeah. shop type of Yeah, which wasn't even you guys. Yeah. You guys had more yeah, than evolved right, away right. from that. Yeah. So yeah. that's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Joni. Is there anything else that um, you wanted to, to kind of mention or touch on that I didn't talk about? Uh, well, I did want to just, uh, we didn't finish up with the working with your spouse thing. Oh, yes. So... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the many, many challenges. Mm-hmm. So I would just want to say that the most important thing working with your spouse or even a partner is that you have shared values 
And I think that that's what has made it work for Bill and I, mm-hmm. even though we're two totally different personality types. Sure. He's a salesperson. I'm an accountant. We couldn't be <laughs> farther extremes than that. But it's, it's work because we have the same values. We believe in the same things and we have the same goals. And we respect, the most important thing is respect the expertise that each person brings Mm -hmm. to the partnership. So I don't dabble in sales. He doesn't dabble in accounting. And that makes it work. Otherwise, it really would be a nightmare. But it's the same way with any kind of partnership. Mm -hmm. Uh, You still have those same challenges. And I think it's, it's easier, in my opinion, it's easier being that we are spouses because you're, you have a little more freedom to air your grievances and mm-hmm. to, like, if I can say bitch, mm-hmm. <laughs> bitch at each other a little more openly and authentically um, than you might want to if you didn't have that spousal relationship. Do you ever get so tired of each other? Better. Uh, sure. <laughs> Because during but the I, pandemic, I kind—I really I think got that's a little normal, though. Isn't yeah, it? in marriages anyway. <laughs> sure. Oh, one hundred percent. But like during the pandemic, when you know my husband and I were both working from home together, we were just like together all the time. You know, you yeah. just—it's nothing against him. You just need to see a different face. Like, just... absolutely. And we're not together. Like we're on opposite sides of the office. Yeah. And because he's in sales, he's out you know, most of the time. And so you're right. That does make a big difference. If we were sharing the same office and side by side all day, oh, wow, that could be challenging. (laughs) And um, do you leave work at work? Like, do you have like a separate work and separate home life? Yeah. And that, that's important too, that we learned early on. We didn't in the beginning, Uh, we would go home still, you know, fighting the same battles, but yeah, we eventually, learn that leave work at work and home has to be completely isolated from work. Yeah. So like hard, hard compartmentalization there just. Yes. Yeah. Well, any, any final words of wisdom to anybody that's, uh, you know, considering embarking working with their spouse? Um, make sure that you both bring unique talents to the table, I, I would say, um, and make sure that you have the same values. And I, I definitely encourage it. I, I don't think it's, it's all as bad as as it has to be. I, mean, I think it can work out and you, very you, well. You, and and you, I think it can be better. Yeah. And yeah, and you're certainly proof of that. You, you keep saying have the same, make sure you have the same values. Can you give me some examples of some shared values that, that kind of solidify that? Um, sure. How you treat people, what you want for the client, the, you know, client comes first, employees you know, come first, you know, always take care of them, mind your finances, you know, not like, you know, one person might want to spend everything or another person likes to save and invest, mm-hmm. you know, so those kind of values, how you treat people, what your goals are, you know, you both want to grow the business, you know, you may have one person that wants to grow, 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 but then one person is status quo, mm-hmm. like I'm happy and content just like I am now. Mm-hmm. You know, so those kind of things all have to line up. Gotcha. So you guys have generally been on the same page. Yes. And you yep. guys now have like two handsome young boys. One of them just got married. Yeah. And yes. then the other one's yep. working with you. Yes, he is. So 
So he's part of the team that we're growing and training up to take over one day. So yep, you, he's in sales right now. Did, They've both been in the business from, you know, well, from like six months old. <laughs> yeah, since they were yay high. Um, does, yep. d- does, I'm sorry, it's, is it Brent or which one's the one that's in the business now? Brent. Brent. Okay. So is, um, Brent, yeah. does Brent want to take over the business? Uh, that's a really good question that, uh, we need to seriously talk about with him. Gotcha. <laughs> His dad says he does, but <laughs> I'm, I think he's kind of answering for him. Gotcha. I have not asked him myself, but yeah, but yeah um, we do have to have that serious conversation with him. Well, last week we interviewed um, Anthony Peroni, the CEO of Pin Chasers, and you know that kind of came up as well. That's a that's a second generation family owned company that they've had for sixty five years, and um, wow. his and I kind of asked him a similar question, um, and he was kind of like, "We'll see." You know, it's it, it it's just a matter of. Um, he, the advice that he gave was that you, it, you had to do what was right for the business. And it, and it also had to do with if the person, you know, was capable, willing and wanting. And, and, and I don't think that that's something you can force on somebody. So I think that, you know, I guess the advice that I would give to you based on what I learned last week with Anthony and, uh, feel free to listen to the episode. Like you said, don't, don't force it on him. Just, yep. you know, just wait and see how things shake out. Cause I've, I've learned over time that things just kind of shake out and they work out the way, the way they're supposed to, if you just kind of leave them alone, and not, not force anything. Yep. Yep. You're right. Absolutely. I completely agree. Absolutely. And we never really wanted our kids to be pigeonholed, you know, into, you know, dictating their path for them just because this is what we did. And right just because we have this business. So we, James was in the business for a little bit too, but he found, you know, another direction that he liked and went in that direction. We're very happy for him. Yeah. So, and it'll be the same for Brent. Absolutely. Yeah. Hopefully Brent will really thrive and enjoy it here and want to, or he'll want to try some other things and I'm going to be, I'm going to support him with whatever he wants. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, we have so much tenure here that to, to uh, take over as well. So yeah. So either, either way it'll be fine, but it's such a great opportunity for Brent. So whatever he decides is best for him because it is his life. So yeah. All right, Joni, thank you so, so much for um, coming on and chatting with me and sharing some insights about working with your spouse and how you've been able to like grow and pivot from just a, you know, not to minimize, you know, an office supply store, but Compared to where you guys are now, I mean, it's night and day and you guys have done that all organically, figuring out the logistics of getting it done. Like you said, it's, it's, it's so not easy that not everybody can pull that off. Um, and I, and and I loved how you helped me kind of like break it down so people can understand like how complex and we, and we actually stopped at the, at the sales and design part. I mean, we could even go even deeper into explaining like what it takes to, like you said, coordinate with the client and coordinate the, the move experience to be smooth and as, as least disruptive as possible. I'm sure things go wrong and you have to troubleshoot for that as well. So it's definitely a very complicated process, you know, soup to nuts. It's, it's, it's complicated, but you guys have been doing it beautifully for so many years and, uh, I know this sounds super corny, but thank you for keeping all that furniture out of the landfill because the earth matters 
And um, yeah. because I know I sound super, super corny, but thank you because you're doing something about it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No reason for it to go there at all. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense at all. Well, thank you so much, Joni. Well, thank you, Nicole. It's been a lot of fun. Great yeah. talking with you. Make sure you hit subscribe so you can be notified of new episodes where we discuss business, marketing, and peek under the hood of successful companies to understand the leadership behind the organization and best practices for today's challenges. I'm your host, Nicole Alisea, founder and president of Brand Envy, an integrated global marketing communications firm based in sunny Tampa Bay. Learn more at createbrandenvy.com. Thanks for listening to Create Brand Envy. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss a future episode. Brand Envy is an integrated marketing and advertising agency that helps brands innovate while maintaining their focus and identity. To learn more or to get in touch with Nicole, visit createbrandnv.com. That's createbrand and the letters nv.com. We'll see you next time.